0: and now the family had assembled in the dining room for the ceremony of breakfast. Henry was already pitching in. Anne was shouting incoherently to Mrs. Gaff for reinforcements of food. Mrs. Gaff was shouting back at Anne. Kenneth ambled in vague circles around the hall, searching for newspapers. Matilda was frantically finishing the sitting room nearby. A cupboard door creaked open, closed, and Miss Tooth, floated noiselessly down to her breakfast. The deep-throated sound of the news came from the trunk-like wireless, full of jaunty menace, weather, scores. And against all this, the choreography of the family was being played out as they found their places at the table. One person was missing. The aging figure of Eustace tottered onto the landing and prepared for its journey down the Everest of stairs. Going downwards presented something of a challenge for Eustace. Despite numerous accidents, he refused point-blank to use the banisters, lest such an action be construed by the women in the house as a sign of senility. Instead, he would sway and jerk his way down, pausing for a full ten seconds or more with his feet set wide apart on each stair, his bloodshot eyes glazed with effort and exertion, his breath coming in deep muttering gasps as he took stock of his position and prepared to lower himself further down. During his progress in either direction, all other traffic was, as a mark of respect, forbidden to pass, the delay sometimes exceeding ten minutes as the remainder of the family waited in a deferential line behind him. On this occasion it was a mere four or five minutes before he was able, with a sigh of relief, to reach the foot of the stairs and heave himself across to the dining-room, from where the sounds of communal feeding, mixed with official pronouncements, could be heard drifting from the half-open door. The old man stopped, swaying slightly, sullen-faced, as if trying to make out some insults from within. Then, thinking better of it, he lurched forward and peeped through a crack in the door. At the head of the table sat Henry— "'Inclined to fatness now, jovial and vociferous, his face veined like a sailor's, his jet-black hair like an oily sea. The dark green suit he wore was a size too small for him, and clashed deafeningly with his complexion. He bulged out of it, as he had earlier wriggled into it, the stitches taut, the buttons straining almost audibly.' He ate ravenously, swallowing gigantic mouthfuls at speed, and there, at the centre of the table, half-standing, half-sitting on a garden stool, was Anne. Her diminutive, almost hunchback figure was twisted towards her grandson to reveal a parchment face with its lips vividly encrimsoned in such a manner as to suggest that her mouth extended halfway across her right cheek her sparse metallic grey hair lay chaotic and unkempt, crushed by a dilapidated hairnet. From her left ear hung a green earring, on her right foot a sober black gumshoe. Around her neck was suspended a chain of imitation pearls that stretched, as though elastic, below her waist, and, when she got down from her stool, almost to the floor itself. For the rest, she wore an array of nondescript jerseys and pullovers—gray-orange, gray-yellow, and gray-pink. Below all this paraphernalia drooped a long shapeless gray skirt which reached almost to her ankles. She had, as Matilda often remarked, let herself go. Before her on the table was piled an assortment of articles reminiscent of a junk shop. There was a ballpoint pen, a bottle of ink, some soap, a ball of string, several aspirin, and a small tin of boot polish. She was prepared for all disasters. As Eustace manoeuvred himself into the room, Kenneth shuffled towards his place at the table. With his dressing gown still inside out, his hair swept low over his eyes, which were themselves half-closed, his ears projecting like vegetables— Kenneth did not look his best in the morning. He did not feel his best. His long, thin body was bent, his face bleached of all colour save a faint greenness.